and welcome to the season premiere of the Data Driven Ram podcast. You're listening to the top data-focused Los Angeles Rams podcast, and we're helping you win your water cooler conversations. In this episode, we're going to get you ready for the upcoming season with a full position-by-position breakdown. I'll start off the show today with my thoughts for the season, your three stats for the week. I'll break down each position, overhear who Satan wouldn't want in hell, and I'll finish with my first game primer. So grab a drink, kick back, relax for the next 20 minutes, and I'll get you caught up on all the stuff you missed during the offseason. I watched the preseason games, and I have to say it wore my dead, cold heart to see the enthusiasm for the Rams in the stadium. I can remember going to Anaheim Stadium before the Rams left. Uh, fuck Georgia Frontieri, by the way. And seeing half the crowd filled by the fans of the opponents. It made sense. Half the L.A. residents come from somewhere else in the country, and they all have their own loyalties. I get that. But it felt like we missed out on a typical NFL tribal experience. And I hope the fan cohesion remains. And from now till the end of the time, the stadium is filled with Rams blue and gold and red from the blood of the few opponents' fans that show up to the stadium. On to three stats. First stat of the week, 17.9, which is the combined SRS of the NFC West last year, highest in the league. The SRS, or Simple Rating System, measures the team quality relative to the average in the league. Meaning, while we have a tough hill to climb in our own division, it'll also strengthen us anytime we go outside of our division. So like uh, when Kevin Green, during his Hall of Fame speech, talked about going against Jadakie Slater every day in practice, made him a better player when he actually played in the real games, I think this will strengthen us uh, against our competition. Uh, except for the 49ers, we don't need any strengthening. They're already a dumpster fire. Second stat. 32nd, the Rams were dead last in passing yards in 2015. Last in a league that's increasingly about passing. So even a marginal improvement could free up some running lanes for Todd Gurley and push us over the 500 mark. Third stat, six points, which is the combined point total of losses under Case Keenum to go along with three wins. This kid could be a winner and a full preseason under his belt might be enough to get us over the top. Let's hope that's the case. On to the team breakdown. Time to take you on your position-by-position breakdown, starting with quarterback. Case Keenum is the starter, and I don't think that's a bad thing. As I said during the stats, he can be a winner, and even though he averaged under 200 yards passing, he could be effective game manager. Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl with a right arm that functioned as well as Bob Dole's. Case can lead this team. You know, it's interesting. I watch very little college football. When I do, it tends to be Cal. So I know a little bit more about Jared Goff than I normally know about recently drafted players. I like him, but frankly, he reminds me of Carson Palmer when Carson played under Paul Hackett. Sophomore year, Carson Palmer, more specifically. Tall, thin, good arm, quick release, talented, but not quite ready. Slow to read defenses, locks on receivers. Passes to the receiver, where in the NFL you need to pass away from the defender. I wasn't surprised when I heard he's not going to dress for this week's game. 
I think he may need to sit several years before he's ready to play professional football. And then Sean Manning, uh, I think he's a serviceable backup. I think it should be fine. As far as running backs, what else can I say about running back other than Todd Gurley? And that's the good and the bad. Obviously, he had a great rookie year. It might be the best physical talent package at the position since Adrian Peterson. But the unfortunate loss of Trey Mason to the Vapors, the team will rely perhaps a bit too much on Gurley. Benny Cunningham is an adequate third down back, but if he has to fill in for large stretches of the season, we could be in trouble. Malcolm Brown rounds out the depth. As far as receiver, Tavon Austin is the clear number one receiver and a threat anytime he touches the ball, with former number one pick Kenny Britt on the other side. And fan favorite Brian Quick, working the middle as the third wide receiver. Don't sleep on Nelson Spruce, though. He's the Pac-12 Conference all-time leader in receptions. He has 10-inch hands, and it makes me think he's going to be a hell of a third down receiver. And move the chains. From tight end, Lance Kendricks is the starter, and talented rookie Tyler Higby will contribute. Higby faces second-degree assault charges, and his status remains unknown. But he has great potential, which is why the Rams are willing to take a chance on him. He seems like strictly a big play receiver tight end at this point, but it's certainly something that we need. Going to the big weakness in the offense last year, offensive line. Year after loading up on linemen in the draft, the Rams, interestingly, were very quiet, despite having a lot of weaknesses. But they feel like they have the depth and talent they need, and they just need it to develop. Left to right for the first game, the line is Greg Robinson, Cody Wickman, Tim Barnes, Jamon Brown, and Roger Saffold. When Rob Havenstein returns from injury, he'll return to right tackle. Roger will be moved next to Greg Robinson, who apparently has been working on his footwork in the offseason, so hopefully it pays off. From the weakness to the strength of the team, defensive line is obviously one of the best units in the league. Aaron Donald is the stud. But this is a strong unit. It has William Hayes, Michael Brockers, and of course Robert Quinn. Depth will be provided by former first-round pick Dominic Easley and the re-signed Eugene Sims. From linebacker, there's been a lot of shakeup for those not paying attention at the linebacker position. James Laurinaitis and Akeem Akers are gone, and Alex Ogletree has been moved to the Mike linebacker and flanked on the weak side by Mark Barron. The depth will be provided by Bryce Hager, the heir apparent to Mark Butcher, and Corey Littleton, the former Washington linebacker. At the defensive back, talented cornerback Janoris Jenkins left via free agency, but the Rams have good depth there with Tremaine Johnson, EJ Gaines, Cody Sensenbaugh, and LaMarcus Joyner. Things are thinner at safety. Other than with veteran TJ McDonald, the Rams are counting on Cody Davis and Mo Alexander to contribute. There's not much experience there, which could be a problem. Going to special teams punter Johnny Hecker and kicker Greg Zerlin, who struggled last season, will return. Taven Austin once again will be returning punts, which he does a very good job at with returning a touchdown for the last three years. Benning Cunningham will be the main kick returner. As far as coaches, I have a lot of respect for Jeff Fisher and a continuation of great football royalty from Buddy Ryan to John Robinson. Now a great career of his own, including Super Bowl appearances. On the defensive side, Greg Williams. Holy shit, what a psycho. Did you guys see Hard Knocks? You know, the scary thought is he reminds me a lot of my high school football coaches. I don't know why the game attracts those types around it, but for whatever reason, it does. 
That said, he's an adequate defensive coach and will be able to get this team to perform when the time is right. The offensive coordinator is Rob Boris, and in a clear case of nominative determinism, the offense will be run-focused, few turnovers, time of possession type stuff, and that's the best case scenario. Final verdict, 9-7 and and a possible playoff run. Meanwhile, in the furthest pit in hell, the devil is getting blown by Georgia Frontieri when the phone rings. Uh, hello? Who dares disturb the devil as Georgia Frontieri sucks his devil dick? Oh... Adam Schefter, hey man, how you doing? Uh, oh, uh, uh-huh, okay, uh, Chris Berman's leaving the show, alright, you're interested in taking over the morning show, <laughs> well, here's the thing, buddy, I mean, that's a pretty tall order, you know, you're talking about Americans here, the United States, they're upbeat, they're congenial, you know, you have more of the disposition of a, a serial murderer rapist. In that order. Okay. So, uh, huh? Sell your soul? Uh, oh, an eternity in hell? Well, well, here's the thing. I like you, I really do, but, uh, Hitler and I were watching the NFL Live the other day when Hitler made the comment that you seemed like you had no humanity. I just don't know if you're the right fit for hell. I'm sorry. Hey, no hard feelings, right? I, I really am sorry. Ugh. That guy gives me the creeps. Getting you ready for the game. Well, it's the Niners, and they are still a mattress fire. And fittingly, they signed Chip Kelly, a loser who the league figured out about halfway through last season. They would be entirely uninteresting if it wasn't for Colin Kaepernick. Now, originally, I thought his actions were a little unartful, and considering the team-oriented culture of football, his actions seemed a little self-serving. But hearing the vitriol that was directed his way, including death threats, it made me realize that what he did was a good thing. It's the kind of response I would expect from an authoritarian state, not the USA. So, far as I can tell, there's very few celebrities taking a real or even symbolic stand. So, it makes me wonder, where are the Marvin Gays, the Nina Simones, the Muhammad Ali's standing up for fucked up practices against communities of color? And in the absence of those types of voices in our society, I guess we're just going to have to settle as the form of protest, a guy who sits on his helmet during the national anthem. What Colin did will never be held with the same regard as Thomas Paine's pamphlets or Martin Luther King's marches, but it was a stand or a, a sit for something that truly mattered, and for that he has my respect as a human being. But not as a quarterback. And more importantly, as a Rams fan, I welcome the fact that it's a major distraction going into the first game, giving us a distinct advantage. Rams 24, 49ers 10, Case Keenum two touchdowns, Gurley, I'm saying 110 yards. 
Thank you for listening. Join us next week as we break down the game against the Niners and get you ready for the Seahawks. If you have any questions in the interim, you can contact me at datadrivenram at gmail.com, all one word. Thank you.